Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I want to really encourage you to do this. This is not a program. It's really the focus of our church for about a two-month period, starting in about three weeks. And um, what we do here on Sunday mornings will will translate into what happens in the small groups. And the cool thing is, it's not just for us adults, it's all the way down from our four-year-olds and up. They're going to be talking and, and dealing with some of the same topics in age-appropriate ways. So it gives you an opportunity for those of you who are families to engage that with your kids or grandkids as well. So um, I, I just, I think God is calling us to this, that we, we don't need to be satisfied with where we are. We understand our mission here at Gateway is to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, not just simply to be okay to just kind of rock along in our Christian journey, but to help it become the center of our lives and to help it grow us, to transform us. And this looks at the whole, our whole life, mental, physical, spiritual, uh, emotional, relational, because your life and mine is not divided up in a bunch of sections, you know, and we have our work life and we have our home life and like what happens in one affects the other. We are a unity. We're, we're not these separations. And therefore, how does God want to transform the whole of us, looking at all the aspects of our lives to do that? And that's what this, this series is about. Well, we can still take more host homes if you're interested in doing that. Uh, if you're unsure about doing it, if, if doing the stuff online is a little dicey for you, there, there are folks right outside those doors who will literally do it with you. They'll take you online, do it right then and there, right there with you with our own equipment so that you can do that. Uh, but we want to do this. We want every single person, I want every single one of us engaged in this. Every single one. No exceptions. Um, so just hear that. Don't, don't back down. This is, if, if, if you're looking for God, if you're looking for him to do something in your life, I believe this is going to be one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have. So join us in that. Uh, our, our women have already kind of started setting in motion. They had a retreat yes, this, the last two days. Uh, I think it went really well. Any women out there? Yeah. And great set that they had up here and, and allowing us to continue with it. And uh, we're very, very grateful for that. And of course, this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. We remember uh, this great man of God and all that he has done for our nation. But today we want to just continue on in this series we're doing called Getting Better that looks at how God can bring transformation into our lives through the love and grace of God to help us experience the deepest levels of, of God's healing. Um, and heal is one of our church's strategies, along with reach and grow. And we're convinced that God, in fact, has placed us as a church, and a church is all of us, the people of God, has placed us as a church to be a place here where people can come and experience healing in your lives, spiritually, but also physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole thing. To, to use the language of Celebrate Recovery, which is an incredible ministry that's blessed hundreds of people uh, through our church uh, and meets on Monday nights, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock down in our Life Center, we've learned that people struggle with, with hurts and habits and hang-ups in their lives. If you are with us last week, we looked at how God can bring healing into the lives of our hurts. This week, we moved to the second one, to the habits, which we, would, we are kind of picturing that as various kinds of addictive or habitual feelings and activities 
that all too often bind us, that enslave us. That's why we sang some of these songs this morning about freedom and finding uh, our, our freedom in Christ. In his book, Addiction and Grace, Dr. Gerald L. May says, Addiction is a state of compulsion, obsession, or preoccupation that enslaves a person's will and desire. Additional addiction sidetracks and eclipses the energy of our deepest, truest desire for love and goodness. And, and you know, I, I say the word addiction, and immediately some of you are flipping a switch. I don't have an addiction. It doesn't apply to me. I, I want you to hear me through on this because you may be kind of surprised. These, these addictive behaviors and habits span a, a broad spectrum from what we would call mildly obsessive habits all the way to maddeningly physical addictions that completely rule our lives. And we have the whole gamut in here. The whole gamut. But these habits and addictions bind us in varying ways. It's sort of like going through our lives, kind of imagine like you've got a closet here that's got too much junk in it, and you got, you're trying to keep the door closed, and it's not staying shut on its own, so you've got to keep your hand on it. And so I'm trying to live my life with one hand on the door as I'm trying to do all these things. Now, I can do some things, I can function, but I'm really kind of limited because I'm having to hold these things down. I'm trying to repress them or hold them in or control them. And that are, those are some of the limits that, quite honestly, God doesn't in, in, intend for you to live. All of us are affected by these habits. Many of us see them directly in our lives, and, and we could name them right now. But many of us see it, if not in our own, we can certainly see it in someone around us, someone in our family, someone we work with. There are the obvious addictions such as alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs. But there are less obvious ones as well like sex and work. Yes, work can be an addiction. Appearance, food, computers, video games. Any parents give me an amen? Gambling, information, pornography, food. I think I said food. Sugar. That's even worse. Shopping and even exercise. Now, obviously all those things aren't inherently bad for us. But many times they become addictive, habitual in ways where we kind of start to feel like we can't stop or we feel weird if we don't do it or we're drawn to it or we have this physical compulsion that the effects are masking other hurts, deeper hurts, deeper issues in our lives. And, and, and there's a lot of science and psychology and all this, and I'm not pretending to be an expert in those areas. But, but you and I need to know there's an underlying spiritual component in all of these that dovetails with the psychologies. Compulsive habits and addictions, all of them, have sinful components to them. Because in doing them, if it's getting where we can't stop or it keeps us from doing some other things, it's hurting us and often hurting others because it's turning us away from God's original design of, uh, that he had for us of, of him being at the center of our lives, of him being the focus, of he being the one that we look to, that we, we, we center our lives on. I'm not saying that that we always make choices that inevitably lead to those kinds of habits or addictions. 
sometimes, honestly, sometimes some of us know we were born with at least some inclinations in those directions. But hear this. No addiction is good for us. No addiction. Even some of the ones that seem like they have benefits. For the, for the person who is a workaholic, there are people who praise them and think, look at all they get done. Man, they're so committed to their work. But if it is an addiction, it means they're not simply doing it to do the good work. There are deeper needs that are getting, trying to be met in the midst of all that. And even though it may feel even good sometimes, it may not be a conscious choice we've made. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word addiction, but it's there in so many forms. And the Apostle Paul gives us what I think is a really powerful picture of the addictive nature of sin. Most of you know the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Here's a guy that when you read him, when you, you hear him, we, we almost think like he's super Christian, you know? He, he's not Jesus, but man, he's just under him. And we, we tend to think of this guy as he did no wrong. He was beyond the pale. He was he an was incredible man of God. And, and he certainly was an incredible man of God. But Paul would tell us nothing could be further from the truth. Paul said in Romans 7, The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. And that word slave is the strongest word. It's not just a gentle servant. It's someone who has no ability to make their own choices on their own. A slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Does that sound like some of us? Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that? He says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. Paul said at times he struggled, in fact, to make the best decisions, the right decisions. And even when he knew better, hello, he still sometimes made the wrong choice because the force of sin was so strong in him, pulling him away from God's best. Paul said, therefore, he was enslaved to sin. And that is the nature of sin. Sin has a very addictive quality to it. And it is at the root of all of our addictive and habitual compulsions. Paul talks elsewhere that sin is the master of taking things that are good, that could be used for good. And many of the things I listed before could be good things. Working hard is a good thing. Exercising is a good thing. To take something that is good and twist it so that it enslaves us. So we feel a compulsion, a, a physical need even to do some of these things. We develop we discover a psychological or even a physiological hold on us that it compels us, or, or at least it feels like that, to keep doing that behavior. So our habits and addictions all too often do feel like slavery. Some of you can, can mention something right now in your own head because we discover that even when we want to stop, it's hard, maybe even too hard for us to quit. There is this sense or this feeling that we're drawn to it that we can't stop. Paul shows us that this is the addictive quality of sin. 
And he tells us it's universal. In other words, it's not just you. It's the person next to you. And it's your parents and your kids and your neighbors and your coworkers and your schoolmates. It's universal. All of us have battled this addiction that pulls us away from God, whether or not we battle one of the better known addictions or compulsive habits that I mentioned. Dr. May writes, we are all addicts in every sense of the word. Moreover, our addictions are our own worst enemies. They enslave us with chains that are of our own making, and yet that paradoxically are virtually beyond our control. Whether intentionally or out of physical or psychological addictions, we too often turn the longings, the objects of our longing, the habits, the addictions into, into idols or what the Bible often calls gods with a little g, not the capital G, but the little g. Really, if, if you look at it in a sense, it takes us all the way back to Exodus chapter 20 where we start to deal with the Ten Commandments. And the very first one of those is so important because God created us and made us for himself. He, he warned us from the very beginning not to look elsewhere for fulfillment, not to run to something else to escape what is happening in our lives, the hurts, the problems, the struggles that we have, that those things can enslave us more than they can help us. That's why God said, you must not have any other God but me. Again, Dr. May writes, spiritually, addiction is a deep-seated form of adultery. The objects of our addictions become our false gods. These are what we worship, what we attend to, whether we give our time and energy instead of love, where we give our time and energy instead of love. Addiction, then, displaces and supplants God's love as the source and object of our deepest true desire. It is, as one modern spiritual writer has called it, a counterfeit of religious presence. So here's the thing. At the end of the day, an idol or a little g-god is whatever you can't give up. It's whatever is so critical to your identity, so critical to you feeling like your life can go on, so critical to how you deal with people or you deal even with yourself is so critical that it gives our lives ultimate meaning. It, it becomes the basis for our identity for our worth. It's what we need so often we feel in order to keep going. I, I don't say we make that choice. You know, I, I want my finances to be my God. But here's the thing. One of the reasons we challenge and, and teach on tithing is because there are a lot of people in America today who believe subconsciously, they can't maybe always put it into words, but their faith is ultimately in their money. That my money will get me through whatever. Doctor's visit, these struggles I'm having. I, I'm not saying we think that through. I'm not saying that's a conscious thought. But, but here's the thing. Whatever I cannot give away that's my idol. That's my God. And too many people, even people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, would, would push come to shove if it came down to it. They would trust something else. Relationship with a husband. 
their job, money, their health. They would trust something more than they would trust God himself. And whatever that is becomes our little G God, our idol. And God says we are to have no others beside him. It, it, it just, it's not a choice I think most of us ever make. Some of us grow up in it. Some of us discover it helps us get through things. And we, we get to the point where we, we trust it more than anything to get us through our day. And sometimes that is abuse of substances. But a lot of times it's so much else. Our creator's God's design for each and every one of us is for him and his love to be at the center of our lives. And yet so often we have replaced the creator with the created, with the creation. We've, we've put our faith and trust in the things God made rather than the one who made the things that are there. And in a sense, whether we, we consciously think about it or not, so often what we're doing is looking for a shortcut that will liberate us from how hard this, this journey is sometimes when, and, and the issues we have to deal with and, and, the, and the, the, the real reality that following Jesus is a lot of work. It, it, it ought to be a daily part of our lives if it's going to matter. And so we look for techniques and we look for tricks and we look for shortcuts and yet all too often every shortcut is going to end up being a short circuit. It is not going to provide what we think it's going to provide. And in fact it may deceive us into thinking we found what we need for a time. When Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 gave in to temptation and ate the forbidden fruit, they set them and us on a course of seeking to find the easy way to fill those longings in our hearts. Sometimes it can be something that we drink or it can be in a relationship with someone else that we want them to like us and they sometimes say the things we want so we keep encouraging that and we start to then mold ourselves to help them hear what we want to hear so they can say it back to us. And all these things become ways that we are turning from focusing on, on the creator to putting our focus on his creation. We sense this inner longing for something and, and, and rather than doing, quite honestly, the hard work of trusting God and his grace and freedom, we think we know better. We think we got a shortcut. We think we're smarter. We think we got a way. Well, our, our buddy is telling us about something that worked for him. We, we, we read a book that says you, in seven easy steps you can do this. We, we, we think if, it, if we just had the right relationship with a person if I was married or if I was divorced or whatever it may be, the if-onlys, the if-onlys. If you're playing the if-only game, you're not putting God at the center. And like Adam and Eve, we give in to the temptation. So, so much of our searching in life through intellectual pursuits, through mind-numbing activities or substances is because we do realize life isn't the way it ought to be. Some things aren't right. And, and we intuitively sense there's got to be more. And so it leads us to pursue all kinds of spiritual and religious pursuits even. That ought to be a good thing, right? It's what Paul recognized when he first traveled to Athens in Acts 17. It says, so Paul, standing before the high council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it. 
to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I am telling you about. Paul was telling these guys that they were looking for a God. They were always searching for something. They had all these gods, this pantheon of gods, and yet there was never enough. They never found the right God that would give them what they want. So they figured there must be one more God out there or something, and they built a shrine to the unknown God. The something else. Because they were like all of us. They had this innate desire, this sense of searching. For an unknown God. And it's not unlike our use of habits and addictions in our lives. We're seeking to fulfill or quench something inside of us, turning to things or activities around us when we ultimately learn it is God himself that we're searching and seeking for. Sure, the habits, the practices, the activities, the addictions can bring pleasure or at the very least relief in the short term. But let me tell you, they will not, they cannot, they were not created to ultimately provide what we are looking for because it is not in them to do it. Augustine, in the fourth century, wrote, you, may, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. In other words, all these things we search for, all these quick answers, these short circuits, these shortcuts, all the things we are seeking, these other religions, all of this is looking to fill a void that Augustine, who started out pretty much as an atheist, discovered only God could fill. Until we recognize in whatever language we want to use that God's creation can never fulfill the longing that is in us, that he created in us to be fulfilled only by him until we recognize that we're going to be slaves, slaves of sin in all of its forms, in all of its disguises all around us. And it's why the first step in any attempt to overcome our addictions and, and even compulsive habits and behaviors is to admit that I am powerless over them. I can't beat them on my own no matter how hard I try. My life has become and is becoming unmanageable no matter how hard I try. In, in spiritual language, we call that confession. In Celebrate Recovery, it's the first principle. The R of, the, of recovery is an acronym which says, Realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. And this, this aligns directly with the first commandment that there is a God and I'm not him. Nor are you. Nor is that activity. Nor is that substance. Nor is that person. Every 12-step program, every recovery program, including celebrate recovery, and even uh, more basic battles in our lives begin at this point, admitting, I cannot beat this on my own. I need help. And that's a prideful thing that we have a hard time saying. And in fact, that's part of the lie. Pride is there precisely because we have been taught or led to believe that we ought to be able to manage it and handle it ourselves. And that if you're good enough or strong enough or smart enough or you find the right substance or the right person, it will take care of itself. And that's a lie. 
We have to admit that we are enslaved to the addictive nature of sin and our compulsive habits. It's recognizing that something or someone outside of me has to come to free me from my slavery. 12-step programs at this point recognizing the power of addiction state that we need a higher power to free us, something stronger than we are that has the power to liberate us, restore us to sanity. In celebrate recovery, the faith in a higher power in the second step of all 12-step programs is explicitly spelled out as being Jesus Christ, which is what Paul told the Athenians. But we believe Jesus, our higher power, has come not not just simply because he wants us to feel better, not just to, to, to cover over our wounds. He's come to set us free, to heal us at our core. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his world, his son into the world to condemn the world. And isn't that what we so often feel when we're not measuring up and we can't make it work? Some sense of condemnation or shame. And if you feel that, that is not from God. He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, not through some other means. His love for us, for for you. And when I say you, I don't mean just the plural you. I mean singularly, the individual you. Is so great that he gave us the strength to, to face whatever life holds and know that nothing will ever shake his love for us and cause him to condemn us. You can't fall far enough. You can't sin too much. You can't be too addicted for God to stop loving you. So stop trying. Jesus said the truth will set you free. He loves, his love sets us free from, from shame, from guilt, from fear, to, to face the truth. And we don't like the truth sometimes. Sometimes the truth is painful. It, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's hard. But if you don't face it, you'll hide it. And it will come out when you least want it to. You and I do not, do not have to give in to fear, to guilt, to shame. When we realize God loves us as we are and not, not needing us to somehow first clean ourselves up, not first having to make amends, not first having to get my act together, all that kind of stuff, then we begin to face the truth to find deliverance and freedom. Jesus said a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus as the Son of God has the power to liberate us from our sinful nature that all too often displays itself through our habitual compulsions and our addictions. But here's the thing, and this is important. And this is where a lot of us in the church sometimes get stuck. If we, we miss out on God's best if we simply see him as a means to the end, as a way for me to feel better, as a way to get through my problem, as a way to get on. If that's all we see him as a way to do, to overcome a particular habit or addiction, we may experience some of that. But the cause 
The root issue of our addiction, our habit, is still there. And it's going to ultimately express itself again through maybe a different kind of addiction. Maybe something that's a little more socially acceptable, but still an addiction. Because it's putting something in God's place. And when we do that, we're not treating this, we're not, we're not experiencing healing, we're just treating the symptoms. I want to tell you, God does not desire to fix just your outward problems. He will. But ultimately, his desire is to heal our inner issues, to heal the real hurts, the things that drive us into those dark places. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you then everything you need. The, the solution is not seeking him for what you can do for me. It's simply seeking him to let him fulfill us as Augustine affirmed. Even as in the midst of that, he gives us tools to, to overcome the power and dysfunction of our compulsive habits and addictions. But we are now allowing his grace to work in us to transform us from the inside out so that the, the power of the addiction is no longer overwhelming. I'm not saying it's going to completely go away, but we can see and we have seen true deliverance as God empowers us to overcome destructive habits by dealing with the root issues of our sinful nature, our hurt, our, our, our sense of inadequacy. And, and, and yet in most cases, Sin doesn't just go too far away so that we have to continue to allow God to live in us, to help us live lives that avoid falling back into then those patterns. Dr. May noted that addictions are full of mind tricks. They, they, they deceive us. So we, we need community. We need others around us. We need others on the journey. People who will hold us accountable. People who encourage us. People who will lift up what can be done to help us see the truth correctly when we aren't willing or can't see rightly. But as we seek God through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, we become transformed. See, that's the point of this next series, to be transformed so that our outward habits and addictions aren't just taken care of, but the deeper issues relating to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ are addressed. That's why the Bible says the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Let me show you a story of someone that God has been changing. Watch. My name is Stacy Gentry and this is my story. When I first started Celebrate Recovery in Umbal, um, I was very broken and when I went in there and saw everyone smiling and dancing around, praising God with their hands up. I just thought, these people are crazy, you know? This just isn't real. And I was like, you know, if this is real, then I want it. And I didn't know how to get it because I didn't have Christ in my life and I didn't understand a lot of stuff. So I was still in my active addiction using, but I just, I just kept going there because it felt different and it felt like a place I could go even though I didn't feel comfortable in a church. I felt comfortable at Celebrate Recovery. I was a IV drug user. Um, 
I shot up heroin, I shot up methamphetamines, um, cocaine. I didn't have Christ, so I didn't have anything to put my hope in. So basically, um, the drugs were what I was married to. They were what filled my days and my nights. And I have lupus. And in 2010, I found out I had contracted hepatitis C. And the doctors told me with lupus, there was no cure because I couldn't take interferon so that my body would just shut down and um, that there was nothing, you know, that I was going to die. Well, I just didn't have anything to turn to without God, without being in a, raised in a home with Christ. You don't know that because I grew up in a home of bikers and drug addicts. So I did what I knew best to do. And um, it, it was devastating. It was there that I started going and getting on my knees. And I just started having these deep conversations with God about Jesus. And I'm like, do I really believe Jesus is real? Do I really believe he came and was a man and is still God and died for me? For all this messed up stuff I've done because I felt like God didn't want me. God couldn't forgive me. I was, you know, I thought I was going to hell no matter what. And when I prayed these prayers on my knees, just like conversations with God, because I really didn't even know how to pray, it just started cementing in my heart. My heart was very hard. I had closed it off to everything, but all of a sudden my heart started opening up, and I was like, yes, I believe Jesus. And it's like the first time I accepted Jesus in my life. God knew he had a plan for me, and all that stuff I went through and thinking there was no God. He was just waiting for that moment. God just keeps redeeming me and bringing things because last year they came out with a new medication. That's this new miracle drug and they said I could take it with lupus and I no longer have hepatitis C. That's gone. Um, the drugs are gone. Also last year I quit smoking. That's gone. I mean it's just like he just keeps doing miracle after miracle in my life. He does love me, you know, and I am saved, and I do believe that I will go to heaven now, that anyone who believes in Jesus can make it to heaven. It's not about me. It's about God, and anything I do is just to point them to God, to Jesus, because I'm just, he's using me, and I'm grateful for that, but it's always about him. Nobody's too far gone, and nobody's a lost cause. Jesus loves everyone. He loves you and your addiction, and that's the great thing. You can go to Him in your addiction. You don't have to get straight and then go to Jesus. You go to Jesus, and He gets you straight. He wants you to come as you are. He wants you to come with all your addiction. He's the one that's going to save you. He just wants you to come with Him with arms wide open.
sadness from wherever you've been Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal so lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. A wanderer, come home. You're not too far. Come as you are There's hope for the hopeless And all those who've strayed Come sit at the table Come taste the grace There's rest for the weary A rest that endures Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't cure So lay down your burdens Lay down your shame has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burden. Lay down your shame. Come as you are. Oh, come as you are. Oh, come as you are. 
working in your heart maybe a few cracks have appeared and it's time to do something different it's time for somebody to pray with you our prayer team will be right down front here if, if it's time to be more deliberate in battling some of the things that are binding you and enslaving you maybe you need to join us on Monday nights for Celebrate Recovery just come just show up and be open to what God but here's the thing it all starts by knowing Jesus it starts with that relationship of allowing him to accept us for who we are to lay down our burdens just come as we are and this morning some of you that's what you need to do you've tried fixing things you've tried the latest techniques you've talked to people and read books and sometimes you might help the symptoms. But at the root of it, it's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that may be the hardest step, the last step, but it is the one step that will not short-circuit everything else God wants to do. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And as I pray... I am going to pray a prayer of welcoming Jesus. And if that's you, repeat some of those, those words in your, in your mind. Say it to God. And then when we get done, tell someone or come and talk to our prayer team up here. You don't have to go through this alone. And there are people you know who need Jesus in you to make a difference. Heavenly Father, we pray. For every person in here and whatever burdens we are carrying we pray that you will lead us to lay them down at the foot of the cross even now this morning father don't let pride get in the way don't let our our concerns about what people see or think get in the way of how you can begin to heal us to get us better to transform us from the inside out so, Father, I pray for those who need to bring you into their life. I pray these, these words. First, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me of all the attempts I've tried to do it on my own. Forgive me of turning to everything but you. Forgive me that I am a, I sinned. Jesus, come into my life. Take the throne. Become my God with a capital G so that my life can be centered around you. Let your Holy Spirit be poured out on me to give me the power that created the universe, that raised Jesus from the dead in me to be transformed. Help me begin that journey today, God. I ask this, I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Join us and help 
our world be transformed, okay? It takes all of us. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.